We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. You deserve a checking account that always goes for two. It's a 2% cash back, that is. Earn more on everyday purchases with Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partner. Impossible. Really appreciative of them. Appreciative uh, of all they've done for us at KC Sports Network. And I am thrilled to be talking with my dear pals here, getting ready for a playoff game. We have finally made it. Uh, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, what is up? It is it, Playoff season is upon us, buddy. It's, it's, it's great to be back. Football matters again. Like it's, it's been like a month and a half since, you know, football mattered for the NFL. It now matters again. So uh, this is great. And my prediction of the Georgia Bulldogs winning the national championship game, despite Stetson Bennett, came true. They won. You know, maybe some injuries played a part, but they won. So if I predict the Chiefs to win now, I think that means I'm on a heater. So we'll have to wait and see when we get to the predictions. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to predict the Chiefs, the two seed, to beat the team that backdoored into the playoffs with a 9-7-1 record to win. You have to stick around to the end of the podcast to get my prediction there. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, Craig, please tell the people how excited you are for this game to be played on primetime on Sunday night in the first <laughs> round of the playoffs. Well, well, we'll deal with the primetime thing, but I am excited for it to be the playoffs. <laughs> I I mean, this, this is what we have been waiting for. You know, we do this whole regular season dance. I mean, I've talked to several people about this this week, but like we spend all this time building up to this and we are very fortunate as a fan base to get to kind of have those moments where when the team is three and four, we're not having the conversation about, okay, it's time to blow it up and turn the page and get to draft season. We're more talking about, Oh man, we're going to be like the sixth seed this year. Like it's still playoff aspirations. This team is largely always going to be in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes. So this is what, we've all been waiting for these moments right here playoffs are starting this is when it super counts you know so it's exciting to get to this moment no matter who the opponent is when they're playing what seed they are this is just this is the fun time right now it's funny like a lot of the discourse we have on this show is always january february minded we're always trying to talk about the big picture and the things that can keep this team from achieving their goals of winning a super bowl and a lot of the analysis that we try to provide, you know, good and bad is always with this in mind because this is the standard of Kansas City now. Super Bowls. 
not wild card wins like they were eight years ago when we, you know, we were all or seven years ago, whenever it was when they beat the Texans. We are very much, you know, focused on, you know, achieving the ultimate goal. And this is the first step in the Chiefs trying to achieve that ultimate goal in the wild card round for the first time in Patrick LaVon Mahomes' young career. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. Let's talk about if they are they going to run the ball much, Maddie. What's what's the, what's the run game going to look like this week against the Steelers? That's a big question. I mean, every team that plays the Steelers has success running the football. I think only four times this season they have held an opponent under a hundred yards rushing. They, I think, what was it? Four out of their last six opponents have gone over two hundred yards rushing. Like they cannot stop the run. And now the last time the Chiefs played them, I think the Chiefs had just over 100 yards, like 120 yards running the ball against them, which isn't a huge number, but it was enough to keep the Steelers honest and allow the passing game to click. You also got to remember in that game, Tyreek Hill barely played or was only you know playing a few snaps. Travis Kelsey didn't play at all, so that probably impacted the ability to run the football. But if there's ever a good matchup to take some pressure off the passing game, to take some Patrick Mahomes and rely on this offensive line in the run game, this is it. The Pittsburgh Steelers cannot stop anybody from running. So you would assume the Chiefs are going to do that this year or this game. The question, though, is who's going to be doing it? Like, what's this rotation look like with essentially everybody healthy? We're coming off Jarek McKinnon's best game with the Chiefs, you know, in week 18 versus Denver Broncos. Darrell Williams was kind of the workhorse down the stretch, but that came with Clyde Woods-Hilaire being hurt. Derek Gore has given you the most dynamic play out of the running back position in terms of creating big plays. Like, what order kind of where do you see those guys getting their carries? How do you think that's going to go once this game starts, Craig? Yeah, that's the real question here. The last time these two teams played, uh, the Chiefs ran the ball 33 times, excluding Chad Haney's two quarterback kneel downs. No quarterback runs. That that doesn't happen very often with the Chiefs. You know, Patrick Mahomes likes to get out of the pocket and scramble. So 33 runs, but th- that's a large number for an Andy Reid offense. And they were setting it up early with Clyde edwards Lair. Like he was running the ball a lot, spelling, you know, they're spelled by Daryl Williams a little bit. And so Daryl Williams ends up getting 11 carries. Derek Gore gets 12 carries at the end of the game when they're kind of killing off the clock there. Jared McKinnon shows up as kind of a, a guy filling in for injury this past week and looks good doing it. I think you've got to give all four guys some run. Like, I know that that's going to be a situation where you're keeping four active running backs on this roster. And that's, that's that's a tough pill to swallow. But luckily, some of those guys do contribute in special teams. So it's not like they're, you know, just sitting on the bench waiting for their opportunity. But I do expect a healthy dose of the run game. And I think it's going to be fairly balanced. Like, I don't think it's going to be, maybe not with Jarek McKinnon. He might be a guy that gets, you know, three, four, five carries near the end of the game or in certain situations. But I do think we're going to see plenty of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, plenty of Daryl Williams, and plenty of Derek Gore. And I think those three will be kind of a three-headed monster. And they're going to make the Steelers come out and try and stop them. Now, the yards per carry were not good the last time these two teams played. 3.6 yards per carry on those 33 runs. Not great, but we'll see. The Chiefs still stuck with it. It was still dangerous enough for the Steelers to really have to kind of commit to it and try and you know stop the, the Chiefs offensive line from doing some damage. But heck, by the time you know they really got into the run game, it was probably already too late. Maddie, I want to kind of talk a little bit about one of the tweets that you uh, put out there earlier oh, uh, no, on Twitter. Can't be good. I just, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, gap for zone 
blocking okay. and you know uh Derek Gore 47% gap runs. Jarek McKinnon 42% gap runs. Daryl Williams 36% gap runs. Clyde Edwards-Helaire 24% gap runs. I have talked about this before. They've obviously shown some usage of gap scheme. I wonder if this if they you know they they've at least been working it. I wonder if we see it a little bit more in the postseason. If they've been working on it all year, they've been utilizing it to stay sharp. And then they're just going to unleash it at a higher clip as a tendency breaker in the postseason. I would not be stunned if we saw a little bit more. What do you, like do you think that's even in the realm of possibility? I genuinely think like I could see this being a scenario where the Chiefs do lean on it a little bit more than they have in the past. So here's the here's the thing that sticks f- on that for me. Clyde Edwards-Helaire at 24% gap runs, like that's so much lower than everybody else. That's incredibly low. Like there's very clearly a push that when Clyde Edwards-Helaire is in there, they're going to run a lot more zone, whether it's outside zone, wide zone, inside zone, whatever it may be. It's very clear they think he's better fit for running in zone situations. So if that's the case, and just that seems really hard for me to believe all of a sudden they're going to switch it up and just go full gap or heavy gap scheme for him specifically. Now, for some of these other guys, for, you know, for Derek Gore, Jarek McKinnon, even Daryl Williams, you know, he's up to 36%, which isn't super high, but like he's they've done it more frequently with him. Any of those guys you want to say that comes in? Like, sure, I could buy it. I think more than likely, though, the Chiefs continue to do what they do. They may not a zone. And what you get is you get these gap schemes as kind of the curveball. So when you think about the run game, I think a lot of people think that you're going to stick with one specific strategy and that's where everything's going to come out of. What it looks like to me for the Chiefs, they want to do everything out of inside zone, some outside zone stuff. But when they're looking for a big play, when they're looking for a dynamic run play, or they notice that the defense is playing a specific way versus the run, they're calling up these gap things. And that's where they're trying to hit their big plays. That's where they're trying to get their chunk run plays. So they're almost using the gap scheme as kind of like a play action passing attack to relate it to the passing game. They're trying to get a bigger play from what's something that's a little bit riskier since you're pulling alignment around, and that's what they're saving the gap plays for. That's kind of how I see it because they've had a lot of success doing it. And even within that tweet, you look at kind of the next step. I think Derek Gore and Jarek McKinnon, they have like the more dynamic runs. They're getting more of their yards on quote-unquote. The higher percentage of their yards are coming on longer runs. Those guys are having more yards after contact per carry because they think they're getting ahead of steam. They're in a better position. So, Oh, go ahead, Kent. I just think one of the things that it seems like with like Gore specifically is like, and it might be some of the situations that he's been presented, but it does seem like he gets a little bit more of the under center runs too when he's in. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's a little bit of it too. Um, so, you know, that's just something to monitor there as well. Craig, did you have anything to add on that? Under center and, you know, uh, attached tight ends, you know, especially when they're in like 12 personnel, you know, we've talked about that before, how, when you've got Travis, when you're in 11 personnel and Travis Kelsey is also split out wide, like, makes it very difficult to have some of those gas scheme run. Like it's just not part of your lexicon when you're in that. And Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, part of the first 15, you know, early going stages of the game, the chiefs are going to base out of 11 and you want Travis Kelsey to be on the field. Whereas a guy like Derek Gore has seen some of his work at the end of games when they're trying to kill stuff off. Maybe yeah. there's a little more Blake Bell, Noah, you know, Noah gray in those situations that's resulted in some more of those gap scheme runs. I'm not going to try and predict any gap scheme stuff. I've been talking about it all year long. <laughs> and I keep saying, hey, maybe that's the game. Hey, maybe that's the game. You know what? 
I'm going to pull a Ben Roethlisberger here and do some reverse psychology. They're just not running any gap. Not at all. They're just not doing it. <laughs> not doing it at all. So oh, don't, don't expect it. We've don't get, so don't get ready for it. Yeah, we've yeah. been so excited for it all year, and they flash that they can do it. They just don't do it enough. That's well, what I said. I think that do they it just well. Yes. They do it well. They do it so good. And that's what I said. I think that they just kind of save it to play in specific areas. I think they get mm-hmm. looks that they like and they call it up in these very specific situations to get chunk plays out of it. I just don't know why they won't base their run game out of it because it's clearly more effective. Like they're clearly better at it than their zone stuff. So I I don't know what the disconnect is there, but yeah, they've used it in a specific way this year. And I just imagine that continues. I'm just saying if the ratio was going to change, the playoffs would be the perfect time to do it. Not changing. Nope. Not happening. Never. Never. Ever. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the Chiefs got to protect him because they've got, you know, they're four games from a Super Bowl. They got to keep him protect. They got to keep him upright. They got to keep him surviving these four games. Uh, TJ Watt is very good at football. Uh, he will be lining up across uh, from Patrick Mahomes for the entirety of the game. How do the Chiefs protect Patrick LaVon Mahomes, Maddie? Well, they do what they did last time in which they allowed zero QB hits to TJ Watt the last time these two teams face up. No, TJ Watt was very clearly hampered by a rib injury, I believe it was, the last time these two teams played. There was a couple plays early in the game where you saw Trey Smith catch him in the ribs once. I think you saw a running back peel off and hit him. Like The Chiefs were making it hard on a guy that had hurt ribs. So I think he looks healthier now. He's coming off a pretty good game against Baltimore down the like at that last game of the season. That's where you get to start. You have to stop TJ Watt. The only problem is you can't sell out everything to stop him because Cameron Hayward's still good enough. They're still good enough with Alex Highsmith across from him with their blitz packages to bring pressure if you're just going to say, hey, we're going to full slide to the right every single play to handle TJ Watt. You can't do that. The Chiefs don't like to do that, but you can't do that anyway. So the Chiefs will have to be aware of where he is. I expect a lot of tight end chips. A lot of six-man protection with the running back looking to release late after they get him. Like there is going to be help added. The Chiefs have not shied away this year from adding help to their tackles, something they haven't liked to do in the past. This year, they'll add some of that help coming out of the backfield from the tight end. But it's just it, it really is. It's TJ Watt. If you don't let him break the game and you don't have to adjust your entire protection scheme for that, I think you'll be okay. And I I can see some scenarios here. I just talked about an attached tight end. Maybe we see a little bit more of Travis Kelsey attached to the same side in two-by-two formations with Tyreek Hill. And so you're going to have that safety to his side of the field that is going to want to play deep because you're not going to leave Tyreek Hill on an island there. And some of those situations where he chips TJ Watt or he chips you know a linebacker or a blitzer or something like that and acts like he's blocking late release into the flat. And we've seen the Chiefs kind of rely on that in some games against some really good pass rushers to, you know, great, great effect. Because Travis Kelsey, you know, against a Mike linebacker trying to collapse on him is going to be able to shake him and get into the secondary. So the way you prevent that is by dropping the safety down. You're not going to do that with Tyree Kill to that side of the field. So I can see scenarios where they keep Travis Kelsey in a little bit more. Like like Maddie said, you have some of those late releases from the running backs that come through chip the you know outside and kind of protect up the arc against some of these guys that aren't the most fleet of foot you know carrying some carrying tj watt up the arc orlando brown whoever it is that ends up playing right tackle i assume it's going to be andrew wiley this week they've done a good job this season of protecting against it 
and really kind of forming that unified wall. We haven't seen scenarios where individual pass rushers have wrecked the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, especially here late in the year as this offensive line has had some cohesion. I don't expect it to start now, but if there is a guy that could do it, it is TJ Watt, and he could he could really put some guys in a blender if he's on his game this week. I I don't know how much a healthy TJ Watt was going to matter because of how quickly the ball was getting out of the Patrick Mahomes hands oh, last yeah. time. He was so decisive and quick getting the ball out of his hands last time these two, two these two teams played, and that was something that really stood out to me is how decisive, consistent he was. You know, getting to the top of his drop, getting the ball out of his hands. So, um, you know, the Chiefs were very good with that, and he was very good at that without really without Tyree Kill for the majority of that game because I mean, he really didn't make too much of an appearance outside of the opening series. But I just saw you know, the ball was getting out of his hands. He was on time. It was really good to see, especially considering that was a game where he was without Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill was hampered. So you're hoping that'll continue to carry over. It'd be fascinating to me to see, you know, uh, if the if the, what what the what the Steelers give up too. If they're going to try to make him hold on to the ball to take here. You know, during the playoffs, you see a lot of teams play a little bit more physical because they're like it's a different kind of game in the playoffs because teams are uh, giving a little bit more freedom to be physical uh at the line of scrimmage to hold on a little bit longer so these are all things you got to take in consideration but if Mahomes gets the ball out at the same clip he did I don't really see uh I don't really see you know that being as much of a factor because I think he was so good there did you have something else to add yeah I did we got done with that Steelers game and I think the takeaway that we had was hey this is one of those types of games that you look at that too high shell that we're going to keep the lid on the top of this and we're going to rely on you know the underneath stuff to work and the Steelers said yeah that's fine we'll allow you to do that you can't be perfect with that all game long and they were like they largely were they took advantage of everything underneath and when we walked away from that game we said vicious scare teams that want to base out of that too high look because they showed they can do that all game long. They can have these long sustained drives. They can put points on the board doing that. Will that happen again? Are we going to see them sitting there with some of that too high structure, trying to keep the lid on it? Or are we going to see them try and rotate a safety down in the box and knowing full well that the Chiefs beat them that exact way last time. I mean, that's dangerous because they can go over the top. Talked about vertical shots earlier in the week is something we want to see in the playoffs, but this might be a game that we're going to, you know, we're going to learn early, you know, whether or not the Steelers are going to commit to a similar style of play as they did the last time these two teams faced off, or if they're going to try and switch some stuff up on defense, knowing full well that the chiefs took everything that they gave underneath and were just perfect underneath against it. But I imagine they'll do a lot of the same, especially when you consider the Chiefs are going to be healthier with their receiving weapons. So I would be a little surprised to see them get out of that too high shell to play less cover four, to mm-hmm. play, you know, less just too deep stuff. I mean, the Chiefs did. The Chiefs completed a bunch of stuff underneath. They only completed a couple passes down the field. And one of those, I believe, was a broken play to Derek Gore, kind of on a scramble. So it's not like the Chiefs had a ton of success throwing the ball downfield. Now, that was kind of a, they, they did try to push it downfield a little bit. I think they threw six passes that went over 20 yards in the air in that game, which is kind of, I mean, that sounds low, but that's a lot for the Chiefs this year. I mean, that's a lot of passes over 20 yards for the Chiefs this season. So they were trying to push the ball, didn't have a ton of success, but they, that, you know, five to 15 yard range, they were tearing them up. I imagine though the Steelers will let them do it again. 
And when they do that, they'll just kind of wait till the Chiefs get in the red zone where the Chiefs have not been excellent this year at always converting touchdowns out of it and just kind of play, you know, play with fire. Let the Chiefs get in the red zone. Ben, don't break. Maybe you force a turnover because the last thing the Steelers want is to let this Chiefs team get quick scores and force the Steelers to respond, you know, play after play. All right, players to watch on offense. What you got, Craig? I mean, we talked about him a little bit already, but Orlando Brown Jr., guy that was playing in this game the last time that these two teams faced, and he did a good job. You know, they they locked up Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt when he did rush from that side, even though he was limited. Orlando Brown Jr., we haven't talked about a ton over the back half of the year here, and that's a very positive thing. He's become reliable on the outside. He's become a guy that we all of a sudden, you know, after the start of the season, having questions about whether or not he was going to be a long-term solution, looks at more now than he ever has. This is the point where you put that guy on an island at times against some of the league's best pass rushers. This is not the first time that he's going to see TJ Watt. It's not the second. It's not the third. It's not the fourth. You know, he's he's familiar with TJ Watt. So, He's a guy that's uniquely equipped to go up against him in this matchup. He's going to lock down that side. I truly believe it. I think that he's poised for a big game. I think we're going to start talking about Orlando Brown Jr. in a little different light after they keep Patrick Mahomes clean for the second time against the Steelers. I'm going to cheat and go with Travis Kelsey. We don't go with the best players too often, but he didn't play in the first game. And on top of that, I don't think the Steelers are particularly good versus tight ends. In both games versus the Ravens this year, Mark Andrews had over 50 receiving yards, and that's with Lamar Jackson and then the better version of uh, Huntley throwing him the football. Like I expect this is a game where you can get Travis Kelsey matched up with some of these linebackers, some of these non-Minka Fitzpatrick safeties relatively frequently, and he can have a lot of success. If we're going to base this under the fact that the Steelers will probably stick in this too high shell, they'll play two guys deep under over the top, you got intermediate areas. I mean, that's where Travis Kelsey's making, you know, everything happen this year. This hasn't been Travis Kelsey's best year recently. Like this year, he's really struggled. If you look through not just the raw numbers, but some of the advanced metrics, his third down usage, where he's catching these passes, it's been a little bit of a down year. I think the playoff time, though, it's time to turn on a little bit. He's a veteran. He doesn't have to show up and be 110% every game for the Chiefs to win. If you just get to the playoffs and give us 110% of the playoffs each time, that's good. I think this might be the start of that. It's a good matchup for him. So I think Travis Kelsey might have another really big game like he had against the Chargers, you know, down the stretch. Boy, it feels good to have Maddie talking about Travis Kelsey again. Uh, for me, it's Byron Pringle. And I thought, you know, I think he's made some strides over the course of the second half of the season. I thought last week was a little bit of a step back. It looked like there were some um, miscommunications um, between him and Mahomes. Uh, against the Broncos and it was a couple of a couple instances of it so that was just a little bit disappointing to see that happen it was kind of a step back to what we had seen from him because he's been putting together some really strong weeks and some really good you know consistent performances for this team so I'm really hoping that you know Pringle can kind of get back on track back to where he was um, you know and and be be a more steady presence a more stable presence for this team because they need it they need another guy that's going to be able to step up and make a few plays here or there the next uh the next couple weeks uh in the playoffs so i'm watching intently uh byron pringle we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's talk about the defense. Mm. And I I love this on our we, we do a rundown. I love this on the rundown, Craig. You wrote you want it's expecting the unexpected. I love it. <laughs> so Man, we the first a real offense. <laughs> oh no. Well, hang on. Let, let's let's <laughs> Pump the brakes on that a little bit. Ben Roethlisberger said in his presser today, kind of was sitting there running down the Steelers a little bit. And it it obviously had a tinge of sarcasm to it. He's definitely playing the nobody believes in this card, which is fine. Like, of course, I mean, Vegas doesn't believe in you either. There's a lot of people that think that this is going to be a runaway game for the Chiefs. The last time we saw these two teams play, we saw a lot of slow developing plays. We saw a lot of short passes. Ben Roethlisberger had 4.5 yards per attempt. Like, that was bad. Mason Mason Rudolph came in the game and just turned around and went for 4.4. Like, this entire offense is predicated on the short passing game and these longer developing runs. That's where this offense has really struggled under Matt Canada. Now their backs are against the wall, and everybody sees that, and they, oh, you know, this this offense, they're going to come out with a new lease on life, and, you know, they got nothing to lose, and they're really going to go out there. And so I think that we're going to see a lot more, you know, trick plays. We're going to see a lot more, you know, things trying to keep the defense a little more off balance, even more so than the last time where they ran a flea flicker and they had a, you know, a fake, (laughs) you know, end around or a fake double reverse. I can't remember what the, what the two outside guys were working that Turk Wharton blew up. It didn't work for the Steelers, but they still attempted it to try and get the offense going, especially later in the game. Now, all of a sudden, I think you're going to see Matt Canada, playing for his job offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steeler has not been good this year and I think he knows that he needs to put some good stuff on tape if he wants to stay there if he wants to really get the you know to the next quarterback that they're going to after Ben Roethlisberger here or if they decide to move on from him he needs good stuff on tape so I think you're going to see him basically throw the entire kitchen sink at the Chiefs defense so they've got to be ready for some of that chicanery They've got to be ready for some of that extra stuff that they're going to be throwing out there to try and keep the Chiefs defense off balance. It's going to be tough 
for the Chiefs if, you know, this offense is basically going to go for every fourth down. They're going to be, you know, throwing all kinds of trick plays, stuff that they can't game plan for, stuff that they can't really, you know, foresee coming. It's not like you're going to line up and say, oh, I know what's coming. They're going to run this one trick player. No, no, it's not. That's not how it works. They have to be sound. They have to trust their eyes. They have to really play good football and trust each other to be in the right spots because there's going to be a ton of stuff. I'm sure there's going to be a ton of stuff thrown at it. That's exactly what that screen when Ben Roethlisberger said it. I was like, oh, they got like 17 cards up their sleeve that they're going to try and throw at the Chiefs defense because they know that what they've tried, what they've done this season will not work again they just saw it so it won't work again i expect a lot of crazy stuff so you don't think they're gonna run drive and snag 28 times each no i don't think they're gonna run that 28 (laughs) times each i Um, would like for them to do that but (laughs) no let's be very clear as well the flea flicker wasn't designed to be a trick play it was just to get play action so big ben didn't have to turn his back like we're not gonna give what happened on that play what happened on that play Pretty sure he threw an interception. Yes, he, he did. did. He threw an interception. <laughs> and the whole that's not a trick play. That was just their version of play action to stop Fair. Ben Roethlisberger from having to actually play. So now yeah. beyond that, uh, yeah, I think this could be a game where you would think in Week 18, when they're technically still alive in the playoffs, that that's when you would see the Steelers kind of throw everything out there. But on the other side, if they're not anticipating getting in the playoffs, why are you going to burn all of your trick plays? Why are you going to burn all of your off-the-wall stuff for no reason and put it on tape for the future? Like Mitchell Schwartz actually did a great job talking about this on the Athletic Podcast earlier this week. Somebody had just asked, you know, why does more teams not run trick plays? The point is you don't want to put all of them out there for teams to get film on so they can see it coming. It makes no sense in Week 18 if you don't think you're going to get to the playoffs. They're in the playoffs. This is a must-win game. It doesn't matter if this goes on film now. If it works, it works. Like This is all that matters. So yeah, I could see them come out with a lot of extra stuff. The problem is there's really only so much you can do. Like Matt Canada's offense is really bad. It stinks. It's really, really bad. There's only so much you can add to it in one week and get all 11 guys or 14 guys because you're going to have other guys subbing in on the same page. There's only so much that can be added. Ben Roethlisberger can't move. Their offensive line can't protect. There's only so much you can do when all of these things are happening. So yeah, they might have some extra wrinkles. I just don't know how far outside of their comfort zone this team can physically get to with just one week to prepare. Uh, I, I, I do think that they're going to, I think they'll throw some stuff out there, obviously that we haven't seen. Um, but I also think like the mentality of this team is going to be a little bit different. There's been a few things that have changed since these two teams have played, uh, last one of them being that the Pittsburgh Steelers, when they go back and they watch their tape this year or this, this week in preparation, they saw Jamar chase throws outside the numbers against these cornerbacks, just get eviscerated. And we talked about this on the game preview the first time that the Chiefs played the Steelers. Ben will throw up some yellow balls. He'll throw some outside number throws. He'll give some guys a chance down the sidelines. Um, he'll give some big, bigger, you know, some, some of his guys, like he'll give Chase Claypool some chances outside numbers. Uh, and this is where we kind of want to take it next. I think this, I think when we're talking about expecting the unexpected, I'm expecting Ben to challenge a little bit more outside the numbers this week. I'm expecting him and they're, you know, they saw what this inconsistent mess of an offense was able to do the last time that these two teams played. They've got to mix some things up. One of the clear things that has, you know, that they've seen recently and has kind of been shown is 
The outside corners are a place you can attack. They've got a guy like Chase Claypool, a bigger bodied receiver that has one outside the numbers. In, in his big, you know, for his first year, one of the things that really kind of catapulted his, you know, his his rookie season was those outside numbers. So I don't think they've been able to hit him as much with him this year, but he's the prototype physically that can do it against the cornerbacks that this team has. And we've seen it happen in recent memory. The only loss that she's had in the last 10 games was a game in which they had a lot of success throwing outside the numbers. Big Ben is playing this stupid, stupid, annoying, ridiculous, embarrassing card that nobody believes. Play, oh, season's over. Well, we might as well not even play. It's just the last game of my career. It's just like he's saying all this stupid stuff, whatever bulletin if board If only material. there was a tie. If only, if only there, was, there a was a tie. I'm team Craig now on this. <laughs> But I think I think he's going to go out a little bit guns blazing. I think he's going to be a little mm -hmm. bit more willing to push the ball down the field because they don't have a choice. They mm -hmm. What they tried to do, the offense that they tried to run the last time around, failed miserably. They've got to generate more explosives. they got to generate more consistency on offense. And they got to get big chunk plays to do it, I think. But I think that's clearly the path to success to really beating this Chiefs defense is – you do. You will have to take some risks. You will have to take some what's well, going to be low percentage plays. The Chiefs' defense, for you know all their faults, what they are really good at is forcing offenses into taking low percentage plays. Whether that's going to be deeper passes down the sidelines, whether that's going to be stretching runs out to the side, like they are going to not. Their try. Their entire goal is to make it as difficult as possible for the offense to succeed. Now, if you have a good offense, if you have an efficient offense, especially ones that excels in those areas, that can be a problem. See the Bengals game, all the outbreaking routes, forcing guys to tackle after the catch, the deep passes down the side. Like there's a specific way to attack this Chiefs defense. It is going to present a problem every single time you get it. It's just will the Steelers do that? That is one thing that Big Ben still does. He we talked about it in the first game, and you saw it a couple times. The ball gets out quick, but he will throw a quick ball, a quick fade route down the sideline. He will go give Chase Claypool or James Washington a chance to go win a ball vertically down the sideline. Doesn't mean it's going to be a 40-yarder. It doesn't mean that he's going to hold the ball for three seconds to do it. He's just going to give them some of those opportunities. I'm with Kent. I wouldn't be surprised to see him come out ready to throw a few more of those in this game, pushing Matt Canada to throw a few more of those into this game just because that's where they they didn't have any success doing their normal stuff. So this kind of ties in with Craig's expect the unexpected. They got to throw something up. You look at every game between when the Chiefs completely shut down the Steelers to the few times they were in trouble versus Denver when Cincinnati was getting them left and right. Those outside corners, and I'm, I'm going to lump something else in here, just tackling in general. The Steelers love these little wide receiver bubble screens. Like, I don't mm. think those are going to go away. But if I'm the Steelers, I am trying to find a way to get the ball to my receivers, whether it's vertically down the sideline or out in space and making this Chiefs defense tackle. Because those are the two areas where they've been very susceptible late this season as doing those two things, especially the secondary. The secondary's missed tackles. They've misplayed the balls down the field. That's where the Steelers should attack. I would be surprised if they don't going into this game. Because as much as we make fun of Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Canada, Mike Tomlin, whatever it may be, they're not dumb. I mean, they're just, they're not dumb. They see that stuff. They see what happens versus the Bengals. They saw what happened versus the Broncos. They are going to try to capitalize on that all the way through. I, I will say this uh, Ben Roethlisberger, not dumb. Ben Roethlisberger also doesn't play an RPO heavy game. Ben Roethlisberger also sometimes throws when he shouldn't. See the luxurious Sneed bubble screen blow up from the last game where there were no blockers out in front. He clearly should have given the ball to Najee Harris. It still happens. 
we did get to see that some of these challenge the the cornerbacks on the outside in that first game chase claypool uh, a little bit of Deontay Johnson. Those guys made some circus catches along the sidelines. It was just eight yards, 11 yards, 12 yards. It wasn't those shots down the field, 30, 40 yards. And that's where Ben Roethlisberger needs to try and strike. If that team is going to keep up, that's where he needs to strike. A problem with that, Ben Roethlisberger just struggles to drive the ball now. I mean, we've been talking about it all year long. He looks like a guy who's ready to retire, and obviously he is. So, I mean, like, it, it, it's time, but he's going to struggle to drive the ball into some of those spots. So the Chiefs, with Juan Thornhill on the back end, or even when they're playing two high structures with Dan Sorensen or Tyron Matthew back there, are going to have a chance to make a play on the ball. But these receivers are so big and so capable of going up and winning 50-50 balls, as we've seen teams do against the Chiefs defense this year, that it really does play to their advantage still, even though he can't drive it. But it's going to be who wins at the catch point. Like, it really is going to be who wins at the catch point. It is going to be a little bit of a tendency breaker for them to try and modify their offense like that. I, for one, am ready for it because Chris Jones was in Ben Roethlisberger's face immediately all game long, that first game. That interior is the same interior that Chris Jones feasted on the last time these two teams played. If Ben Roethlisberger needs to drop back a little longer, needs to take a little more time in order to make sure that he's not going to be throwing into a safety, you know, that's vertical bracketing one of those receivers, Chris Jones is going to eat him alive. He's going to set up shop in the backfield like our good pals at McAdoodles are setting up shop in Lee Summit summer of this year. Listen, McAdoodles is like Chris Jones and that they're just elite. They're good at everything. They've got perfect customer service. They've got perfect selection. They've got a perfect price. Okay, maybe not perfect price. It's not free, guys, but great pricing on all of their liquor there. They're going to help you get everything that you could possibly need. And when you're listening to this, you must be thinking, man, I really wish that I could go to McAdoodles right now before I go out to Arrowhead, before I get into the parking lot to tailgate and you can't unfortunately because we don't have one yet but this time next year when the chiefs are in the playoffs i've talked about how we expect this team to be in the playoffs every year this is the spot that you're going to go and hopefully if you are a smart franchisee you're taking advantage of the fact that there's only one in lee's summit to get more in and around arrowhead on the kansas side all over Kansas City so that no matter where anybody's coming from, their tailgating supplies will come from McAdoodles. So if you are that franchisee, get a hold of Roger, info at macadoodles.com and get one in there because now's the time. You can get it in there before the next time that the Chiefs are going to be playing a playoff game and everybody can come pick up their tailgating supplies at your location. All right, players to watch. Craig, get one in there. Oh, man. Uh, Charverius Ward. Uh, Charverius Ward has had a couple of rough weeks the last two weeks. Now, the numbers maybe from this last week don't look like it, but he did get beat a couple of times on the outside. Uh, Charverius Ward, kind of a rhythm player, kind of a guy who needs that confidence 
to really go in and man up against good receivers, but they have trusted him to follow guys around. The last time these two teams played, Rashad Fenton did not play. Charverius Ward followed around Chase Claypool for most of the game, not into the slot, but on the outside. I would expect, just because it is a type-on-type matchup, to see something similar again this week. Charverius Ward's going to draw this big guy. If they're going to try and attack down the field, try and attack some of these 50-50 balls, we need the Charverius Ward from three weeks ago and you know the previous five, six, seven games who was playing the ball well on the air, was continuing at the catch point a little bit better than we saw against Jamar Chase, than we saw against the Broncos receivers. I want that guy back. A good game against Chase Claypool in the early going here before the Chiefs get into some of these other good players, good receivers on the outside could do wonders for this defense because we know what it looks like when he's playing well. We hope that he plays well this week to get back on track. For all this talk about the Steelers doing what's unexpected, for all this talk about Ben Roethlisberger airing it out and seeing what happens, the Steelers' offense clearly works the best when it's funneled through Najee Harris. They score the most points. They look the most effective when they can run the ball on their opponents. So whether or not they come out with this game plan to push the ball downfield with Big Ben or not, like that's fine. I think if they want to win this game, that run game has to get going. They will have to feed Najee Harris to stop that. I'm going to go with Derek Nottie. I think the Ooh. first Pittsburgh Steelers game was the second highest snap count he played all season. Now, part of that was because it was garbage time. They're rotating guys in and out, but he was clearly part of that early you know, rotation because the Steelers are a team that will run up the middle. The Steelers do still run a lot of gap stuff. They're getting double teams. They're trying to run between the tackles. They're not trying to stretch the defenses to the outside with Najee Harris's blazing speed. That's not that's not their goal. They're trying to they're trying to pound him between the tackles. That's right in Derek Nottie's wheelhouse. So I think a good Derek Nottie game holding up this very bad run blocking offensive line, letting these linebackers run free could go a long way in forcing the game into Big Ben's hand, which I do think is where you want this for the Chiefs. You don't want them picking up four or five yards per carry. You want it to be two, three yards. You want Big Ben to have to change what he's done all year to beat you. All right, how about the guy that he might be doing some of the dirty work for? Let's go with Nick Bolton here. Uh, this could be another game where Nick Bolton could have some success against the run. I mean, the Steelers do still want to try to run the football. They're going to try to run the football. That's part of their identity. That's part of their DNA. They're going to give the ball to Najee Harris and give him a lot of opportunities. This is a, this is a chance for Nick Bolton against the run uh, to have some success, especially if Derek Nottie is doing the dirty work. So... Let's we, we, we normally do three storylines on offense, three storylines on defense. We thought we'd mix it up a little bit because the Chiefs are 12 and a half point favorites. And I think all of us are kind of feeling pretty good not to just get, you know, we're, we'll get to the game predictions in a minute, but we're all feeling pretty good. But there's also this little Chiefs fan in us from the 90s. Uh, and, or earlier. And, and let's, let's 2000s not limit it. And 2000s. And, you know, maybe some Chiefs fans in here that were at the Chiefs Colts 38-10 comeback game. There's just, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, just, you know, anxiety. Here. Nope. What if they lose? <laughs> I guess I'm just going to ask a question. What if they lose this game, Craig? What if they do lose this game? I mean, uh, I think it's fairly safe to say, uh, both from the standpoint of the spread, being what it is, the expectations of a Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid-led team 
and Steve Spagnuolo, let's go ahead and throw in that defense and especially what they did with the Pittsburgh Steelers three weeks ago and the way that they beat them down. The expectation is that the Chiefs are going to handle business and they're going to handle it handily, for lack of a better word there. If they lose this, this is probably the worst playoff loss in the history of the franchise. I, and they've got some epically they heartbreaking some ones. But, I mean, from, from a going into the game perspective, a lot of those games that we think about from heartbreaking standpoints and things like that, the Chiefs weren't massive favorites. You know, those were you know, n- you know know neck and neck games, you know, going into it or anything like that. I, ben Roethlisberger's right. Nobody expects them to win this game. Nobody expects them to contend in this game. And yet, yeah, you look at it, it's like if the Chiefs drop this game, like there's going to be some serious conversations about blowing things up, like ser- literally blowing things up, aspects of it, because it will be such a massive loss and such a massive failure for the Chiefs organization. That's not to say the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't a playoff-worthy football team. They are, obviously. Uh, they're in it. And they're, they're in it. They, they, yeah, they're in it. They're in it. I mean, they've got and they've got game-changing players. TJ Watt's a game-changing player. Mika Fitzpatrick is a game-changing player. I mean, we could let's throw Cameron Hayward in there too. Like these guys are excellent players that can really tilt the game in their d or in their team's favor and yet the line is what it is because the chiefs just have that many more they've got a better scheme they got a better quarterback all of this lines up to where the expectations are so high now to where the chiefs drop this it's just it's it is a catastrophic failure of this organization, of this coaching staff, of these players, you know, not to absolve anybody, it's just top to bottom. We're going to be talking about some serious changes that would need to be made if the Chiefs were to lose this game. Well, I think the big issue is that this isn't a 14 win, two seed team that battled it out to, you know, like the very last week, looked dominant and then gets upset in the playoffs. Like that would be bad enough, but this is a team that's clearly was playing worse than it has the last two years where they've gone to the Super Bowl. It's clearly not as been as good so far as they were in 2019, 2020. This team hasn't played as good as they did in 2018. Like this team just hasn't been as good overall as those teams. So they're clearly regressing. So if you then come out and have a loss to this Pittsburgh Steelers team, which like Craig was saying, with all due respect, they are a playoff team. They played good enough to be there, but that's not, they're not a good team. This is not a good Pittsburgh Steelers team. This team is not a very good football team. The defense is good. Not elite, but very good. The offense stinks. It's really bad. If this Chiefs team that has struggled all year, that has showed signs of regression over the past three seasons every single year, loses to this team, yeah, you got to start having some serious conversations about why isn't it going the right direction? What parts aren't clicking here? Why is Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden not playing as good? Why are Tyree Kill? Why are Travis Kelsey? Why is their production regressing? Who's in trouble with this offense? Is it is everyone catching up to this Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes offense? Or are they just not executing as well? If they're not executing as well, why is that? Steve Spagnuolo's defense is fun. It's great. We all love it, but can it be got too often? Our team's kind of starting to, our team's starting to catch on to what his, you know, does he have some tells that they're starting to pick up on? Like, what is the issue causing this regression followed by an embarrassing loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers? So if they are to lose, like I do think you're at a spot where you could see some major changes coming to the Chiefs and that's not where you want to be. 
Look at kind of the Seattle Seahawks when they had to start making significant changes to that team. That's mm. when things got downhill. Now, there's a lot of other issues going on there. I don't think Russell Wilson was ever as good as Patrick Mahomes is right now. It's like there's a lot of other issues, but you can see when you start to kind of get befuddled, when you start having that regression without a firm grasp on how you fix it and how you stop it and reclaim that glory, things go bad quickly. Like things get really bad because now guys are expensive and you're still having to bring in new pieces. This team needs to, you know, push through this adversity right now, get through these playoffs, losing this first game would be absolutely terrible just for the outlook of the team over the next two to three years because you are going to go into a retooling section of this regime. Like, it's going to be retooling if they lose this game. Yeah, I think about, you know, we've talked about Brett Veach makes aggressive corrections to the things that kept his team from winning a Super Bowl the year before. Now, the difference is we don't know, you know, the, the success that the Chiefs have had to this point in the Patrick Mahomes era doesn't really tell us what would happen and what kind of corrections could be made if something as catastrophic as as losing to the Steelers would be. And make no mistake about it, this would be embarrassment. I don't remember the last time the Chiefs were favored by 12 and a half this season. I can't I if you go back is this the biggest point spread? This might be the biggest point spread well, that they've been favored by. It was ten, it was 10 and a half the, the first last Pittsburgh time. game yeah. that they covered easily. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like that's what I'm, but that's just all I'm saying. And that was like, without Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I I can't <laughs> yeah. tell you the last time this team has been been favored to win by twelve and a half in any game. I don't even think they were favored by twelve against the Eagles when they played earlier in the season. Like I'm just I, they were six and a half point favorites against the Eagles earlier in the year. And Washington, let's look at real quick. Sorry, six and a half against Washington. This it's is hard to and get half. To 12. 12 and a half is tough, man, especially in a playoff environment where you know teams are going to be throwing everything that they possibly can. 12 and a half is a lot. 10 and a half against the Giants, who are the worst team that they have played the entire season. This is the biggest spread that they have had the entire year. And if they do, if they go out and and poop the bed this week, I'm just telling you, Andy will be beside himself in that building. Mm-hmm. Brett will be making a lot of adjustments this offseason. This team will look a lot different and they will read and you like you said they will retool. I will be furious. The KCSN post game show will be must watch. We will be <laughs> yelling and teeth will be gnashed. Um why don't you just enjoy the ride, Kent? Prediction time, Maddie. <laughs> why don't we just go ahead and predict this one? Okay, I'm first. That's cool. Um, I'm going to go. You know what? We're just going to get quick to this one. We are going to go with the Chiefs winning this one 27 to 9. I think it's not going to be quite as high scoring as last time. I do think I've said this a couple times on Twitter now and maybe even on the post game show. I anticipate the Chiefs coming out and approaching this game kind of like the number one seed in college football playoffs does. They're going to come out, they're going to see their first opponent and be like, eh we can probably get by by just simply being better and doing what we do. So I don't know if the Chiefs are going to get too deep into their bag. I don't know if they're going to come out with a lot of exotic, crazy, fun stuff that we're all going to love. It might not even look great for a little while because the Steelers are going to come out specifically trying to beat the Chiefs with everything they have while the Chiefs are just kind of ho-humming along. I could very easily see that happening and just kind of getting an ugliest 27 to nine win for the chiefs, which is still a big win. So I still got them winning easy. Just, I don't know how sexy it's going to look because I don't know if the chiefs are going to bring out their a game for this one. 
I mean, it, yeah, you you look at all this and you say, uh, you know, 12 and a half points and everything like that. And Travis Kelsey didn't play the last time these two teams played. Tyree Kill was still recovering from COVID. They were missing Nick Bolton. They were missing Rashad Fenton on the defensive side of the ball. Guys that play a lot of snaps. You know, they may not be, you know, superstars by any means, but guys that would match up well, especially against these Steelers, the Steelers offense. So there were guys that just weren't there for the Chiefs. And they also didn't have Harrison Butker. <laughs> so Elio Fry missed an extra point, missed a field goal. They went into half 23 to nothing. Turnovers definitely went their way. I don't expect that to be the same way this time. I expect you know, they can't. Like it was just catastrophically bad turnover wise for the Steelers. And yet, I think all of that gets erased by the fact that Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill are in the lineup again this year, this season. I, I, I just, I think that even with some of the basic stuff that the Chiefs are going to do on offense, you're going to see them execute it well. I think you're going to see this team knowing that they can't get caught. You know, they've been in situations this year where they've not played particularly well and they've gotten caught. I think that that will play to their benefit versus the 14 and two team last year where they just kind of coasted through it. They had to actually go through some stuff this year. So I fully believe that they're going to come out. They're going to play well. They're going to try and get up early and try and rest some guys because they know that they're going to have a tough opponent coming up after this, no matter who it is, no matter how the playoffs sort out. I've got the Chiefs winning 34 to 13 and i think a lot of the chief points are going to be scored in the opening half of the game once again Woo! i agree i you know this look this team has been different than any team that we've seen the chiefs have to this point this team has also been through the ringer that's been through the fire in more ways than any team in the nfl they have been to four straight, uh, three straight AFC championship games. They've been to two straight Super Bowls. They are calloused. They are January and February ready. That's going to matter here in this month. This team knows what to expect. The majority of this team has an understanding of what they're about to face. Maybe not the wild card, which is a good problem to have. But I think that's going to start showing up here. I think they're going to start playing their best football. I think it starts against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kansas City Chiefs fans, you know nothing different than a Patrick LaVon Mahomes AFC Championship appearance. That is the that is the bar. That is the low. That's the that, that's not the bar. That's not the high bar. That's the low bar to clear. I expect them to be there. I expect it to start tonight uh, on Sunday, 27-10. Kansas City Chiefs win their first game of the playoffs and route to another Super Bowl appearance. That is going to do it for the KC Laboratory. We will catch you after the Chiefs dominate the Pittsburgh Steelers. Catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.